And when we're talking about sermons in the office, um, we talk about series, or we talk about books, or we talk about what we call one-offs, all right? So if you finish a series, and then you're not going to start the other series for a week or two, I might preach what I call a one-off, just a, a message that's just by itself, all right? Uh, the difference between a, a movie or a TV uh, you know, show one time and then a, a series of shows that all run together. Today's a combination of both. Uh, we, we thought we were going to start a new series today, and then I thought we would need an introduction, and then I was working on a one-off, and then God started to lay on my heart this passage of Scripture. Uh, and I remember the passage of Scripture from a church that I visited four times or, or less in Roanoke because I, I liked the worship guy there. And, and we weren't like tight, but we were buddies. You know, we had lunch together three or four times in the seven years that I lived there. And, and I just, I remember this one particular message from there. And that, that, that passage came to my heart. And so I began to look into that passage. And what this message became was a one-off that's going to be an introduction, all right? But it also is challenging. So sometimes when I'm getting ready to, to come at you, I say, buckle your seatbelts. But that is not what I'm talking about today. Today, I want you to be prepared to respond. I want you to, to be unafraid, to, to, to have a, a moment of confession, to have some admission, to be challenged. And, 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 and I, I want the fertile soil to, to be there. I have, I have ro rolled through this over, over the last 48 hours, and my heart is just churning over this. We're going to start a series pretty soon um, that's going to have, have to do with DIY, all right? Do it yourself. It's a how-to of all of the basics of feeding yourself, of growing your faith, of becoming what God wants you to be, all right? And we're going to do that over the next four to six weeks. But for today, not only as an introduction, but as a challenge, I want to go to the book of Hebrews, all right? Now, the author of the book of Hebrews is speaking to the church in general, all right? He was absolutely speaking to the church at that time that was just now forming, but they had had five years, 10 years, 20 years, maybe even up to 40 or 60 years of time together, depending on when they were planted. But he's not writing to the church at Thessalonica or the church at Rome or the church at Philippi, all right? This is written to the community in general. And he's, 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 he's saying things like, be on your guard. He's saying things like, consider Jesus. He's saying things like in uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8, do not let your heart be hardened, all right? Don't get calloused, all right? Uh, be, be, be diligent in, in your seeking after, all right? And he gets into this part after four chapters and he starts talking about Melchizedek. And we mentioned him recently, the priest and king, a, a symbolic representation very early on of the person of who Jesus would be, a prophet, a priest, and a king. And he gets in the middle of all this and, 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 and he's starting to teach and he's really going to town. He takes a breath. And we get this from Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. We have so much to say about this. There's, there's so many things I want to teach you. So many mysteries that I want to explore. There's so much depth in this thing called Christianity. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Infamil, Gerber. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted, not connected, not communing with teachings about righteousness. If you're in the land of milk and formula, you are not communing with the word of God as it was meant for you. But solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So the writer in Hebrews comes time and time again up against this issue of complacency, this issue of a lack of understanding, this issue of uh, rising in excitement and falling at the easiest temptation, rising in joy and falling when the storm comes, standing on the rock and being swept away by the things that come your way. Be on your guard. Don't let your heart be hard. Continue to be diligent. And he addresses the problem. But in this New International Version, even though the, the problem is in this verse, it's not as easy to see. It is hard to make it clear to you. Why is it hard to make it clear to you? Because you no longer try to understand. There is no effort to grasp. So what I want to do is I want to go to the English Standard Version, all right? And, and I want to show you this verse again. We're going to look at the English Standard, and then we're going to look also at the New Living Translation. Here we go. This is the same verse. Jesus, about whom we have much to say, but it is hard to explain because you have become dull of Hearing. Now, we don't use that phrase, all right? That's why we need translations, dull of hearing. So the NIV says, you no longer try to understand. But here's what the New Living Tra Translation said. There is much more we would like to say, all right? So get this, church, as your pastor, as your elders. There's, there's so, so much more that we want to do. We want it dripping from our lips. We want to dance around. We want small groups to be like bursting at the seams. We want steak. We want potatoes. We want lobster. We want five-course meals. But it's kind of hard to get you to grab it since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Now, wait a minute, preacher. Didn't come to church today to have you look me in the eye after, after I dropped my money in the box and after I got my kids together and after I came at 9 instead of 11, I didn't come here for you to say that I'm a spiritually dullard and I don't seem to listen. Well, church, I don't care how you feel. I care that you're well. 
Doctor comes in and says, in order for you to live, I am going to have to make an incision this long, and it's going to leave a scar, and it's not going to feel good, and there will be weeks of recovery, and you go, nope, I will live with the cancer before I let you cut on me. Pass. I choose not to be your doctor. That's what he would say. I'm going to say the same thing to you. You don't want to listen to what I have this morning. Pass. Take your covenant and go. Because I cannot help you. Why? Because you're spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. Well, Craig, that's not fair. How do you know? How come every three years we have to go back to the basics? What we want to do is we want to get to the heart of the, the illness. And the, the writer of this, this book says the illness is something they describe as dullness of hearing. Now, in order for us to understand, don't listen to me. Let, let's listen to the author, okay? All right, let's listen to the author. There is only one other place in Hebrews where he uses the same word dull, only one other place. And interestingly enough, there's only one other place where he uses the word healing, right? So if we go to those two places and see the context in which maybe we'll figure out what the illness looks like, okay, right? So let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Just a chapter later, he's going to use this word for dullness of hearing, uh, um, 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 obstinance of the heart, all right? He's going to use this word again. It's right here. We're going to do... Verses 11 and 12. It's in, it's in 12, but we, we want to get context. We want each of you to show the same diligence. Now, interestingly enough, the Greek word for diligence is the antonym for the Greek word for dullness. So the opposite of being dull is being diligent to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. So those who are diligent, the promise that is given them is that the hope that they have in Jesus Christ is fully realized. Yet out in our town today, all right, there are 26,000 people, give or take, in our community, less than 6,000 thousand of which will be in a house of worship this morning, less than 5,000 of which will actually open their eyes, their minds, and their hearts to God and do what Jesus promised. He did not say, I have come that you might have life and have it on Sundays. He did not say, I have come that you might have life and have it while the preacher is preaching and getting you fired up. He did not say, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it when everything is going your way. I did not come so that you might have life and have it when you're happy. I came so that you might have life and have it to the full. Well, Craig, when the bills come, it's not full. When my wife leaves, it's not full. When sickness comes, it's not full. When I lose my job, it's not full. Not about the sickness and the job and stop making excuses for it because the Bible says you will have what you hope for if you're diligent. Having hopelessness is not about your circumstances. It's about your heart. And a lack of diligence. Diligence to what, Craig? No problem. 
We do not want you to become, here's the word, lazy. Better translation, sluggard. Sluggard. All through the Proverbs, the writers, some the same, but some different, use the word sluggard. Somebody who trudges along. I will get there when I get there. I will, do, I will use the energy that it takes to put one foot in front of the other, no more and no less. But instead of being a dullard, a sluggard, the opposite again is to imitate those who through faith have and patience inherit what has been promised. So it's what has been promised. So we go back to, I want to fulfill the promises. And then we say, look at, mirror image, be like people who act like they found what the promise is. So God says, if you want to know how to overcome being a sluggard or a dullard, find someone who is not a sluggard or a dullard and be like them. What do they look like? They look like people who have been promised something and actually received it instead of people who have been promised something and keep looking around for it. That is the difference. And people in this room, people I love, have been wandering around, crying over everything, sad over everything, bitter over everything, angry about everything. And I ask you, where is your hope? Is it in the bills? Is it in the cars? Is it in the friends? Is it in the children? Is it in how people act? Or is your hope actually in Jesus? And if it is, why are you such a sluggard about it? Sorry, not sorry. Here's where it talks about hearing. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, the promise that God made to fulfill you, it doesn't have to be then, can be now. Let us be careful that none of us be found to and fallen short of it. Christians, it is a horrific witness and a horrible experience and a nasty, 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 uh, hopeless thing to know Jesus and not know him at all. To have a promise and never see it fulfilled. Would you do that to your children? Would you kiss them the night before Christmas? And tell them that the bicycle was downstairs. Tell them that the Nintendo was downstairs. Tell them that the iPhone was downstairs. Would you tell them before they fell asleep? Have them wake up the next morning only to take those things, set them behind the car, and back and forth over them with the four-wheel drive until they're gone. And smile at them and say, well, I told you you'd see it. Would any of you do that to your children? Then why do you act as if God would do it to you? Why do you act that if the promises that he's made for you aren't right there for the taking when it's raining or when the sun is shining? Why, why, why? Craig, you speak of this as if it is, as it, it, it's a disease. It is. Well, I don't feel sick. Didn't say you did. Neither did the scripture. But you aren't going to like what it does say. In fact, by this time, let me rephrase what by this time means. In fact, when we get to the point in our relationship together where we are, how many of you 
I've only, I've only been here seven years. How many of you have been believers for 20 years or more? Raise your hands. If you've been a believer in Jesus for 20 years or more, raise your hand, give or take. Okay, how many of you have been in this church, sat under our teaching for, for at least five years? Raise your hand. Yeah, how about three years? Raise your hand. Let me ask you a question. Is there a substantially and a marked difference in the, the, the depth and breadth of your faith today as opposed to a year ago? Is there a depth and a breadth and a massive difference in how you react and you respond to the world in a way that is way more like Jesus would than it was five years ago, 10 years ago? In fact, by this time, you ought be Come on. But you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God all over again. Guys, I'm not talking about thou shalt not kill. Most of us don't have a problem with that. Got it. Check it off. Thou shalt not steal. As long as we're not talking about my tax returns, I got it. No problem. Right? Think about it for a minute. Don't you do everything you can to make sure that you don't pay, yet render unto Caesar what is Caesar's? is also in the scriptures. Do you think for a minute that God can't give you back that 17 cents, that $17, that 170 bucks that you're saving by trying to manipulate the system? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that spirit in your heart that makes you wonder when you're watching a TV show when something comes on the screen and you go, ah, in my spirit, I'm not sure that I should be seeing that when there's a conversation going on amongst the men, when there's a conversation going on amongst the women, and you hear something, and that thing inside your spirit goes, I, I, am, I am not certain. I'm not certain that I should be dealing with this. And the next step is, I am certain I should not be dealing with this and that I need to say something. But when I say something, it's going to anger them. But saying something in the truth of God's word is way better than keeping a relationship that is ill-fated and dying in sin. Come on, church. If you aren't feeling those things, you aren't growing. Wait, you're calling me a baby. A baby is not a disease. Well, let me fix that. Emmy. Emmy is 20 months old now. Emmy is doing all kinds of amazingly fun things. Even over the week we were gone, there are things that Emmy is doing now that she was not doing a week ago. There is going to be a massive amount of growth that happens. She's just starting to eat some solid foods, and we still have to cut some of them up, but we're not setting a ribeye down in front of her and letting her go to town on it. She is not prepared. She is not ready, all right? But if I bring Emmy in here, and I want to show you some tricks, right? And I say, hey, baby, walk down the steps, and she walks down the steps by herself and doesn't fall down. And I ask her a question, because really, my, my my daughter ought to be talking now, and she's not talking yet. We're not scared, but we really wish that milestone would come along. She's starting to eke out words now, but she has a system. She, she squeals, and we know what that means, all right? And the pitch of the squeal, all right, is, is, is a yes or a no or a really yes. Hey, do you want, um, to, to, do you want to go to have taste and hold you? Eh, no, probably not, all right? Well, do you want to see Grammy? Eh, all right, yes, she really wants to see Grammy. Do you want a, a piece of candy? Eh, all right, it's a really, really yes, all right? We know by the level, and we all laugh at that, okay? Now, I told you she was 20 months old, and she's cute, and she's running around, so she's a baby. But what if you asked me how old she was, and I said, well, she's 15. 15 months? No, she's 15 years old. Would there be a problem then? Now, think about it. If a child came down through here, a visitor came to our church, and their baby was just learning to walk, and you said, that child is 15 years old. We say, why don't you take her to the nursery? Well, she's 15. 
we have a massive physical problem, right? Church. Do we not have some massive spiritual problems here? Are some of you literally, do, can you mark the milestones in your life with Jesus Christ to make you 35 years old? To even make you a teenager? Are you prepared at this stage of the game in your life where you've been doing this for 40 years and you couldn't teach anybody anything? You could say, man, I, Craig, I need you to teach me because I don't know. That is not on me, people. And that is what I'm going to look you in the eye and say right now. I feed you every week. Whether or not you're dull of hearing is the problem. What does dull of hearing look like? I want you to listen to the differences between dull of hearing and when the hearing lands. Diligence versus dullness. Open-hearted versus hardened-hearted. Faith, patience, and hope in all things versus hopelessness. Listening and acting with the inheritance of the offerings provided versus slow to hear, sluggish, resonance versus unresponsiveness. Max Lucado calls it the sing versus the thud. When a potter tests a pot, this is from a book called On the Anvil. When a potter tests the pot, you know, they, they, they use a, a very thick, the clay is very thick because if it's thin, it'll break or shatter very easy. So down, especially in the bowl type places, it's, it's very thick. I, I don't know if you know this, but if you pour concrete, all right, concrete never, never, never in its existence completely dries all the way through because the harder it gets, all right, in the middle, there's no way air can get to it. And somewhere deep in that concrete is always a little bit, or depending on how thick it is, a lot of concrete that's still not fully dried, okay? Well, the same thing happens with a clay pot, all right? What, the, what he does is once he gets it shaped and formed, he puts his, his masterpiece in the fire, all right? And you use the fire to, to make it hard, to make it firm. Now, there's no way to see the inside to test when it's done, all right? So potters do what's called thumping, all right? They thump it. We call it flicking, all right? But they thump the pot, and one of two things will happen. If there's still wetness in there, the, the vibrations will not move, and it will not resonate. So when you hit it, it will go boom and just die out, boom and just die out. But if it's done, it's dry all the way through. When you hit it, the vibrations will resonate, and it will go And then Lucato says the most brilliant thing. He says, that's the way you test a pot and a believer. When you thump it, does it thud or sing? You want to know how spiritually mature you are? Look at your response to the latest thumping. The end. Ask yourself after five years, 10 years, 20 years, am I further along? Have I made 10 years worth of progress? Am I still a baby who needs my pastor to feed me once a week? Or if he walked away, would I stand alone ready to take in the stake that God has to offer me, the mysteries that God has planned for me to hear and to want and to love? And how do I know if I've got it? 
anyone who lives on milk is not equated with the teachings of righteousness. God's teachings fall on your ears and change nothing about you any or every time you hear them. They are for show, they are for hearing, but not for listening. Anybody have a child who does that? Look you right in the eye, nod their head as if they know, just like you amen and nod to me every Sunday morning and walk out the door and do exactly what you told them not to do. Jesus is looking at us and going, And then we have the audacity to say, why? Why didn't you do what you promised? Because you didn't do what I asked. Has nothing to do with my blessings. And everything to do with the fact that when I teach, it's going in your ears, getting down into your soul, and hitting something dull. It's boom, boom. Y'all know I love the kitchen. Do you know what the most dangerous instrument in a kitchen is? A dull knife. Do you know what the most dangerous thing in the pew of a church is? But solid food. Steak, filet, lobster tail, scallops, foie gras, asabuco. These are for the mature. Why don't I get it? If Emmy looked at me and said, why can't I have a ribeye? I can give her a hundred reasons. Not because I don't want her to enjoy it, but because it would do what? Choke her. How do we tell the difference? Those who are mature by constant use, by constant use, day in, day out, morning, noon, and night, I seek your face as the deer pants for the water. My soul longs after you from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The name of the Lord shall be praised. There are people who can't help it, but they overflow and they have trained themselves. And the thing that is different is they can distinguish good from evil. And not just for the church, but because the church people have failed in that. And generations of parents have then failed in that. America is Facing that reality right now. It is not an Antifa problem or a BLM problem or a racist problem or a murder problem or a Democrat problem or a Republican problem. It is a simple issue of not knowing the difference between good and evil. Simple. But the problem is they will look at us and they will say, we heard you. Here is what is good. Here is what is evil. You don't get to define it. That's the difference. You do not define what love is because you want love without discipline. And that thing, that unicorn doesn't exist. There is no love without discipline. Parents, do you hear me? There is no love without discipline. You are creating a selfish, entitled monster and they will soon be in college begging for their safe spaces and then in Congress baking their own rules. That unicorn does not exist. 
So you must find a place where you can find right from wrong and then you teach your heart to understand right from wrong in the places the Bible doesn't define. Am I allowed to watch this movie? Well, let's look it up. Let's see if it's in Romans. Cruel Intentions, let's see. I can't find it. Basic Instinct, that's an old one. <laughs> nope, can't find it. I guess it's okay if I can. No! Do I give this money on the corner to the homeless man or do I hold on to it? Do I get a part of this ministry or do I stay home? Do I go on this trip or do I stay home? Do I say this to my spouse or do I stay home? Do I discipline my child when it's hard and I know they're going to hate me for a day but love me for a lifetime? Can I make the hard calls that aren't written out there for me because the Spirit of God and I have spent time together on a regular basis and I can distinguish good from evil? Enjoy your ribeye. I make no apologies for the next four to six weeks. We're going to do DIY. Do it yourself. And we're going to teach you how to pray. And we're going to teach you how to worship. I'm going to learn how to pray better so that I can teach you how to pray better. I'm going to learn how to study deeper so that I can teach you how to do it without me the end of this six weeks, at least I should be able to walk away from the back porch and know you're not going to run into the street. I'm not expecting you to get in the car and drive it around. But I am expecting you not to fall off the back porch. Not being mean. This is the most loving thing that I can do for you. But beyond week four, five, or six, it is no longer my problem. I have great and wonderful and fantastic things to share with you. We have many mysteries to unfold and much Jesus to taste and see and find that he is good. But I cannot offer that to you. I can't run and fly with you until you learn how to walk. You cannot walk if you have dullness of hearing. If you come in here to get by, if you listen to my sermons as a prequel to lunch, if you don't yearn, it won't matter. If you're not moved, can't help you. Are you diligent? Chasing? Looking in the mirror, noticing? Are you mature enough to not worry about what Jane has or what Mike has or what Tina has? Have you done what Jordan Peterson asked us to do and stop comparing yourself to everyone else today and start comparing yourself to who you were yesterday? Can you look me in the eyes and say, I have been diligent, I have run the race, I have kept the faith, and I can mark the milestones of how far that I've come in my walk compared to where I was when I started here. That's the goal. Well, Craig, how do we fix it? I'm going to give you all of the help that, that God's spirit in my heart and our elders and our staff know how for the next few weeks. But it begins with an acknowledgement of a disease. 
and a repentance of that particular sin. So if I can get her to, Lisa's going to come down here and just she's going to start playing on the keyboard. She's just going to start playing the keyboard. Might be 10 seconds, might be 10 minutes. Every head in the church bowed. Kids, adults, men, women, every head bowed. Every eye closed. Listen to these words. The words of the writer of Hebrews. There is so much to say. But it's been hard to make clear to you. Because though you hear, you no longer truly listen or try to comprehend. In fact, by this time, we ought to have 15 or 20 small groups and small group leaders. But so many still need the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need baby food, not adult food. People who live on baby food, well, they're still babies. And babies aren't acquainted, aren't connected to righteousness. It is the mature, those on solid food, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I would never look at my child and force steak upon them. See, the key to getting to solid food is actually drinking the milk. <laughs> the key to getting to uh, the slurries is actually drinking the formula. And then, and then the oatmeal. And then, and then the rice cereal. And then, and then chopped up carrots and, and beans. And then SpaghettiOs. Mm -hmm. You know? But the very first step is repentance. God, I'm a dullard. God, I am looking back over the last 10 years of my walk with Jesus Christ, and I honestly can't, I honestly can't say I've made six months of progress. And I don't blame that on my preacher, and I don't blame that on the staff, and I am not going to blame it on my spouse. I am going to own it this morning, because tomorrow is a new day. So church, while she plays, you and God need to have a conversation, and it starts with every individual in this room who wants to go further. I have dullness of hearing. Open the ears and the eyes of my heart. I confess my sin. And I beg of you for the courage, the strength, and the discipline to be diligent. If that's you, the altar's open. Come and tell Jesus that. Repent. Return. And let's grow together. God, I pray over these people, some who have come, some who are seated. 
I pray over the ones, and your spirit knows, I pray over the ones who cry out to you now in earnest. I pray that there is a pipeline, a floodgate, a giant uh, wheel that is turned in a dam somewhere that just begins to eke water and then more and then spiritually just pour out on those who are truly desiring and truly repenting. God, I'm reminded so deeply for myself of the words of an incredible songwriter. A songwriter who got banned from a lot of the Christian stores. Well, because he was honest. Because believers didn't want to hear it. But he wrote this song, God called I Repent, and you know that. Church, I want you to hear the words of this song. Derek Webb said, I repent. I repent of my house and my job and my kids and my wife in our suburb where we're safe and white. I am wrong. I am wrong. And of these things, I repent. We've built our lives on success money, on status, on applauding the good and turning our noses up at the rest. And that is not what God called believers to do. To sit in their safe havens, at their safe tables, with their 2.4 kids, their dog, their hamster, or their chickens, and say, look at my life. That is not what we're called to do. And we repent. Christ alone. Cornerstone. Weak made strong. Weak made strong by the Savior's love. And through it all, through the storm, He is Lord. That's when we know we're there. When the storms come, financial hardships rage, the illnesses ravish, when we stand and we sing the same song in the sunshine or the rain. That's why God picked Job. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The good Lord gives and the good Lord takes away. Blessed be the, don't be the wife. Be the Job. This is my prayer for you in Jesus' name. And amen.